Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. Morning, everybody. Yes, it's great to see your smiling faces looking back at me. No masks in sight. It's great. Um, I'll just take this chance to honour the team here at Bridge City. and uh, there's, uh, there's great power in doing things together. We understand that together we can be so much more. So I honour all you guys in that. We honour Pastor Robin, who's currently doing her thing in Bridge City North this morning, and also Pastor Trevor, who at the last minute got the call to go to Lamaru and help me out there because we had some sickness back there. So... Uh, we just honour those guys, they do what they do in those places this morning. We understand that God transcends time and space, so together we are, as we do this together. Um, we're in the midst of exciting times. Can you see the excitement on Andrew's face this morning? Could you pick up he's a bit, bit keen on the whole idea? Yeah, it's good. Times have changed. I want to encourage you this morning that blessed are the flexible, for they will not break. We've got to be prepared to be flexible and do some different things at the moment because God is doing a different thing this morning. Um, let me just pray before I start talking. Father God, again, I just come so thankful that you are indeed the King of kings and Lord of lords. So I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Rachel, for that incredible, profound message around the gospel. I want to say to you this morning that God is for you, not against you, and he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us, each and every one. I want to say that every time I stand up and preach, so I want to get that in early so you remember that, that God has a plan and a purpose and he loves you. He's a plan of redemption and of destiny today. I want to start this morning with a really big question. What is the purpose of your life? What is the purpose of your life? Who am I? They're big questions that we come as we do life. The search for significance. Uh, yeah. What is my significance? Why am I here? What is my purpose as I do that journey? And where am I going? What is my eternal destiny? They're the big questions. And it doesn't matter whether you're in church, out of church, wherever you are, there's those moments in your life when you stop and you ask those questions of yourself. Am I right? Absolutely, I believe that's the case. We have those moments when we ask those questions. Everyone asks them. I recall a time when I asked that question. We had a connect group, a Bible study. And I asked that question around the group and a, a beautiful lady who's a part of our church burst into tears because she, she, didn't have, she couldn't at that point articulate what her purpose was for her journey as a Christian at that point. So that's a really profound question to ask. Are we here to look forward to a safe landing or is there more? And of course, that's, you know, there is so much more for us as we do this journey together. Um, I want to spend some time in Matthew 5 this morning, uh, just to scoot around a couple of verses in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and Matthew 5, that's um, it's the longest recorded uh, message from Jesus written down, the sermon. And I believe in that Jesus does address the question of purpose for us. As we do the journey, but he starts first with the Beatitudes, which just which captured, I believe, our identity in Christ so beautifully. I want to read them first before we make a start. It'll just set the scene. 
So this is reading Matthew chapter 5, verses 3, 3 to 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A great picture of us, as our identity in Christ. It speaks not about what we do or actions, but it talks about our heart attitude towards God, what he's called, what he's calling us to have an attitude towards us, towards God and towards others. So the next few verses, Jesus begins to apply a metaphor to his disciples. And we, as we've been in church, while we will be familiar with this verse, in essence, he says to them, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, in essence. That scripture says, we'll read the scripture so that we're on the right page. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled Underfoot. So if I went to anybody's home here this morning to reach into your pantry, I'm sure I'd be able to find a packet of salt. Has anybody not got any salt in their house? You haven't, Bob. Oh. <laughs> you have to go and borrow some from your neighbour. It's a staple. It's an essential part of our life, and it's, we we take it for granted. It's cheap. Like it's it's just it's just there. It's part of our life. But in, in biblical times, in Jesus' time, it was um, a staple, an essential part, but it was also a much valued part of their life as well. It was a really important in, in the way that they operated and the way that they were able to do what they did. Uh, apparently, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. Paid in salt. Imagine that, Scott, paying, paying your workers his 300 kilograms of salt. At the moment, it would be a good deal, but maybe not. And the term salary comes from the Latin word salt. Salzburg, the the town Salzburg, salt, Saltburg. It was a relatively expensive spice and it was crucial for so much of the culture and the people's physical well-being. Even today, it's claimed that there are over 14,000 uses for salt. I can't think of 14,000, but apparently there is. There's 14,000 uses for salt in the world. So what are those, some of those uses? What are those practical things that we see which we can reflect back into our own life as in our own journey of people of faith? Number one, it, it preserves and protects. Again, in, in biblical times, there was no refrigerators, there was no freezers, so the only way that they could preserve the meat was to, to, to rub it in salt, to, to cure it. Um, for leather, curing leather. Without uh, salt, they couldn't cure the leather to allow to have clothes and shoes. So no food and no shoes. If you're going to be, for example, a Roman soldier, without shoes and food, you're not going to go very far in an army. Battles have been fought over the supply of salt. Again, because of that strategic importance, because the army can't march forward without food or without shoes. I guess for us it's a picture that our, the, the essentialness of our faith journey 
in the society that surrounds us. We can infiltrate, infiltrate and permeate that society and have that preservative effect on the people that surround us, on the, the place we find ourselves. And Christians have been doing that for centuries. Christians are the first to turn up in those moments of crisis and they're the last ones to leave, to show on the light of Christ in that place, to be that salt in that place. You are, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It promotes healing and restoration. It promotes healing and restoration as well. Um, I'm not a really big fan of the dentist, and I had it about 15 years when I didn't go. And then so when I did go, some of my feelings which I'd had for 45 years failed me. Terrible, what a thing. I think that it lasts longer than that, 45 years. Anyway, so the situation was pretty grim when I did go to the dentist. And so they had to actually cut some of my gum to get, <laughs> not that gruesome, to cut the gum to get the tooth, to actually get the filling in place, which was um, traumatic. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Um, so that, that job done, the, the most um, sound advice I could get from the dentist that day to treat, despite all the medical advances we got in society, he said, go home and wash your mouth out with salt water. That was the most advanced and most... Uh, the best advice you could give to me to make sure that my gum didn't get infected. Yeah. So as you navigate the season that we're in, and this, we've been in a really changing season in the last few years, um, we can look around and we can see that point, we can see decay and we can see disarray in the world, can't we? Uh, I guess what we should be asking ourselves is where is the salt? Where is the salt? Where, is, where, is, where are the people of faith permeating and preserving and healing and carrying that message of transformation and restoration into that community. Where are they? We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It flavours the otherwise bland and gives people an appetite for the food that's placed before them. But anybody not shaking his... Oh, I shouldn't ask this question. I've got a bad habit of putting the salt on first and then tasting the food, and I've got in a bit of trouble with that over the years. Apparently not meant to do that. Taste the food first, but then many times we just put a little bit. It brings out the flavour of the food that's there. It enhances and um, brings fullness to that situation. And I really believe that the journey of life is pretty bland without the fullness of spiritual renewal, without the understanding that there is, uh, there's more to life than just what we can see or taste and touch. Um, so without the spirit, we really were, are without life. We're, we're without real life at that point. In John 10, 10, there's a scripture again, which we know so well and it is so dear to my heart. The thief only, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's a very familiar scripture. We understand that. And that life that's referred to in that scripture, that word life, is not just speaking about our bios, our biological life, our birth, our life and our death. That's, that's not just that. There. I'm not a great Greek scholar, but the Greek word for that is zoe, which speaks about not just the, the physical, it speaks about the physical, but also speaks about the spiritual and then the looking forward to that forward uh, spiritual part of our life. So it's important that we do that. The, the, the abundance we live is not just about our physical life, not just about our prosperity in terms of dollars and cents. It's about our spiritual inheritance we gain in that place our flavor as we do that as we flavor the world that surrounds us should first and foremost reflect the grace of god 
so that people can come boldly at that moment when they need, they need help the most, that, they come, that we need to reflect that into the lives, that we, the things that we do. Because of the, our gratitude, the fact that Jesus allowed us to come and be fully connected with God. That he took our place, he took the punishment which, which, which lined up for us. And out of that we display the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience and self-control as we do the journey with people. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Number four, it promotes thirst. I think there's a bit of a ploy there at McDonald's or Hungry Jack's or Kentucky Fried Chicken. Salty food makes you thirsty. I think they make more money out of the soft drinks they ever make out of the food. It promotes thirst. But for us, as we are salt of the earth, it promotes, we play that role of the salt of the earth in the community that surrounds us. We promote a thirst for things of eternal value. We, we promote that opportunity to, things, to think, put my teeth back in, people begin to think about not just, again, what they can taste and touch and smell. They begin to think about the things that are beyond that. Here's a question for you. Have you ever thought about just how many physical possessions you actually own? I did the other day because I was listening on the radio to a person who said that he got down to 42 possessions. I think I've probably got 100 100 sets of clothes, let alone anything else that I've got to share. But the Bible describes all that stuff as wood, hay and stubble. Wood, hay and stubble. Things that are of no eternal significance. Things that will be burned up. That we did, we'll just decay away and be lost. And many of us live like kings in the natural sense, don't we? We have everything that opens and shut. We have everything that we can possibly desire. But we can be awakened to the fact that we need to be pursuing the things that won't rust or decay or, or run away. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The scripture talks about lose, salt losing its saltiness. How can that be? Salt is a pretty simple element, isn't it? It's, who's, who's, where's the chemistry teacher? <laughs> what is, it's a simple element. It's very difficult to break that down. It's a very simple thing. So what, how can salt possibly lose its saltiness? So human nature says that if, we, if we've got to, again, go back to the idea of a valuable substance, when the salt was a valuable substance, how can you actually... Make it go further. You begin to add contaminants to it. You add things to it to make it go further. You try and increase the, the amount by doing that. So you're adding dirt or what else would you add to flour? I mean, salt. So we do. We do that. We try and cut things. We try and uh, make it go further. We dilute things. And I guess going back to what I said before, when we distract our lives with other exploits, when we begin to focus on the wood, the hay and the stubble, there's those moments when we begin to lose our saltiness, our, our uh, impact. Those things that we say, so ironic that that's the things that we can taste and touch and smell. Number five, in our world, salt is everywhere. Again, going back to my tourist story about putting salt on top of my food, my lovely wife tells me that every time I do that, there's already enough salt in that mood, food, food, 
me to not have to put any more on top of it. Salt pervades every aspect of our life in the natural. And so as people of faith, we, in that place, we should be in that place where we pervade not just the places where we feel comfortable, not the places where we feel like we should be, but every aspect of our life, everything, every moment, every sphere of society, every place that we can go. In Psalm 139 it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my beds in the depths, you are there. If I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even though your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. No field of endeavour is beyond the reach of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's a hidden but powerful influence, salt, that the gospel in our lives. And we permeate the, the, the world that surrounds us with that, with that great news of the gospel. And the reality of that is we can't stay in the salt shaker. We can't, this is a great place. It's a beautiful place. It's comfortable. We love each other. It's awesome. But we've got to shake ourselves out of the salt shaker. We've got to be prepared to get out there. If we stay together, in some ways, if it, it, salt can be a toxin if it stays together and, and we get too much in one space. So we need to be there spreading through the community, permeating every aspect of this place. But then scripture goes on, Jesus implores us to be light. Verse 14 and 15, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Light's amazing. Light travels at just under a touch, under 300,000 kilometres per second. 300,000 kilometres per second. The light from the sun, which warms and, and provides with us so much, is just a spectacular thing. The sun sets and the sun rises every morning and every evening. It's a visible and revealing influence. It's not, it's not something that's under, underlying. It's actually, it actually has an impact. It can impact and change situations. It has many similarities to salt. It infiltrates things. It has the potential to disinfect it has, and it reveals to us our direction and our path as that light illuminates the path for us. Um, you can be, I've been to Ballarat and there's one of the mine tours down there, they'll take you into a mine uh, which has no light whatsoever, absolutely no light whatsoever and it is just, yeah, when you think it's dark, that place was just incredible, you could not, it was just incredible to, to be there and I thought about that as we do the journey of the spiritual journey. Um, we feel, as people of faith, like the world is a dark place, don't we? Sometimes we look around and think, this is a dark place. But imagine uh, this situation without hope. We talked about this morning, about without that hope of Christ in your life. Imagine what that lot is. It doesn't even be a better thinking about what that would be like to try and navigate this life, this dark world, without faith. So it's imperative that we do that, that we shine that light into places. Yeah. Jesus calls us to make a visible impact in the world that surrounds us. How do we do that? Jesus says that we need to make our light visible, put it up where it can be seen by as many people as possible, not allowing it to be hidden, positioning it so our light shines on everyone. As we gather here in this place, again, our light shines out. We are a, a, a stake in the ground, a lantern that shines throughout this community, and that's beginning to have more impact as we spend time uh, in the hub and as the kids ministry grows and the youth group grows that's going to continue to do that let's go back to the scripture 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under the bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And then the Passion Translation says, Who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it is a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Light cuts through darkness and instantaneously penetrates the darkness. It destroys the darkness. We, again, as I said, we are purveyors of hope in our communities. We spend time in this place. We are purveyors of hope, of transformation. It provides energy, it sustains life, and it sustains growth. We can be assured that a small burst of light, no matter how insignificant we see that, will change situations. We as people of faith are called to influence and we're also called to illumination. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Can I encourage you again that our mere presence, in, as we carry the presence of God into places, can change atmospheres, can change the way that things happen. We can be salt, but our public declaration of faith will shine a light on Jesus. Will shine a light on Jesus. And again, the current work that we're doing in engaging with the hub, that we see that. We see that opportunity to shine a light on Jesus through that public declaration. Yeah. As we serve those people from the surrounding community, we are the salt of the earth at that point, guiding and caring for those people. Um, and I'm looking forward to the moment. There's going to be moments when the lights will suddenly come on for people. There'll be moments of transformation. There'll be moments when all of a sudden that light will impact, will penetrate and impact their life and change it completely. Those suddenly moments that transform, that bring that abundant life that we spoke about before, the eternal perspective into people's lives. That's going to be awesome. So I can encourage you today that you are the soul of the earth and the light of your world and your sphere of influence particularly. Um, yeah, come and be a part of the hub. We talked about that hub. That I really want to just touch on that. That we had the chance to to be the. If you don't go to talk, who says they're not good at talking to people? Some people do. There's other things you can do. You can come and you can serve. You can help pack up. There's ways you can be a part of shining that light into the community. John Stott is a famous American theologian. He wrote these words. I want to read them to you as we come close to finishing. The world is going the drain, we say, going down the drain, we say, with a shrug. But whose fault is it? Who is to blame? Let me put it like this. If the house is dark when the nightfall comes, there is no sense in blaming the house. That is what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? Similarly, if meat goes bad and becomes inedible, there is no sense in blaming the meat, as this is what happens when bacteria are left alone to breed. The question is again, where is the salt? Just so, if society deteriorates and its standards decline until it becomes like a dark night or a stinking fish, there is no sense in blaming society. That is what happens when fallen men and women are left to themselves and human selfishness is left unchecked. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Verse 16 says, In the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And there's a sense of urgency in that to be prepared to shine that light in the place that surrounds us. Really, i got that sense of urgency in my life. Perhaps I'm just getting old, I'm not sure. But, <laughs> but it's there. I really believe it's there for us. Time is short. Time is short.
Colossians 4 and verses 5 and 6 says this, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That's a profound scripture. Make the most of every opportunity. So as we move into this next season at Bridge City, uh, can I encourage that we are salt and light in the community that surrounds us. We can be that hidden but powerful influence in the world that we operate in, but even more to be that light, to be boldly demonstrate and declare Jesus into the people that surround us and the community we live in and be able to tell them that God came to earth in Jesus, not to condemn us but to save us, to reel that incredible, abundant Zoe life that awaits us as we prepare to be transformed by that. Jesus is the light of the world. That scripture says in John says that Jesus is the light of the world. He says that. But through him we are the salt and we are the light of the world. And our purpose, the purpose, the question I posed at the very start of this conversation is that, simply that, that we are the light of the, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am.